I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The debate over how to solve San Francisco's drug overdose crisis is polarized, just like so many other hot-button issues in the city. We only need to look at the recent spotlight on the Tenderloin. While they may not agree on what's the best solution, nearly all San Franciscans have a strong desire to quickly fix the city's drug epidemic, which has killed more than 1,300 people in the past two years. Mayor Lyndon Breed has doubled down on using law enforcement in the Tenderloin, which is the epicenter of the city's fentanyl problem. Many people are worried about criminalizing drug users instead of helping them, and that it rubs up against the drug treatment technique San Francisco's favored for decades, harm reduction. There are a variety of harm reduction methods. A common model in San Francisco aims to quickly place people in permanent supportive housing. That's where drug users can access counseling services and undergo drug treatment at their own pace. But now, city leaders and nonprofits are reviving another method, abstinence only. That approach has been largely discounted since the 90s, but now it's getting another look. Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan is here to explain the difference between an abstinence-only and a harm reduction approach and to discuss the shift in this debate. Kevin, great as always to have you on Fifth Emission. Glad to be here. So I want to dive into your story, and I'm hoping we can start here. Can you remind us what exactly is an abstinence-only approach when it comes to addressing drug addiction? What sets it apart from San Francisco's current harm reduction approach? Well, the nuances get pretty slim, and there's a, uh, people get pretty touchy about the definitions of these things. Basically, abstinence is trying to be uh, without your addiction to illicit drugs, of course, and in some cases, even being without medically-assisted treatment, which is Suboxone or Methadone to help you get over your addiction. One of the main differences is that in a harm reduction program, uh, if you relapse, uh, you don't get tossed out. You don't get uh, told to go somewhere else. You, you, you stay in the program where you're at and they work on you to get over it. In an abstinence program, they don't necessarily throw you out of the whole program, but they'll send you to detox somewhere else uh, until you can come back and uh, agree not to relapse again and try not to relapse. The whole argument over medically assisted treatment is, uh, you know, the, the goal of any rehab program is to get you free of everything. But with mm-hmm. abstinence, it's just a little more assertive toward getting free of everything and doing it as quickly as possible. Uh, where this often comes up is in supportive housing in San Francisco, which is a technique's been, you know, been prevalent in, in, in a heavy way for about 20 years or so. And that's where you take a homeless person, particularly. And if you're addicted and you're homeless, putting you into a, a, your own unit, your own apartment or uh, SRO, uh, you know, residential hotel unit, and you can keep it forever. It's subsidized by the government. You can keep it. And while you're trying to pull off your drug addiction, if that's what you have, you can relapse in your room and you won't be thrown out. You get to keep it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing is, the on-site at a uh, a supportive housing complex are counselors that are trying to help you get free of drugs, help you get jobs, help you get mental health you know, assistance if you need it. It's it's supposed to be a wraparound kind of situation, but they're not going to throw you out for relapsing in your room. Why do people argue that the harm reduction approach, which San Francisco mostly relies on, is better? Yeah, the idea is that you can't just go cold turkey. Most people can't. 
and most people relapse as they go. Uh, the The statistics are pretty stark. Uh, even in a harm reduction program, uh, the relapse rate is 40 to 60% of someone trying to get free, free of drugs. Now, in an abstinence program with a huge emphasis on abstinence, it's about 75% relapse rate. So mm-hmm. the success is is obviously you know geared you know more toward harm reduction. However, the the discussion that's happening in this city in San Francisco is that the problem is so intense that we should have every form of treatment available uh, that we can because some people really want abstinence. I mean AA and NA, Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, they're geared toward abstinence. Uh, Now, you're not getting a residence in those programs. Those are support groups. But uh, some people, that works fantastic for them. Other people need the help. So as you know, in your recent story, the abstinence-only strategy has been sort of largely rejected since the 1990s. Why? Is that because of just the effective rates? Yeah, the studies show that. And uh, the, it's it has pushed most programs away from the more rigid forms of abstinence that used to be uh, employed uh, decades ago. Uh, again, seventy five percent failure rate in abstinence only, and forty to sixty in in a wider harm reduction model. Uh, there are also studies that I well one that I studied at least uh, that I cited in my story that if you're on methadone, you're four times more likely to maintain some success in your rehab. Do we know how much money San Francisco has invested in harm reduction and what do they have planned ahead? It seems, as you noted in your story, you called harm reduction the rehab gospel in San Francisco. How Mm. much investment has the city made in this preferred technique? Well, it's safe to say tens of millions. I don't know if anyone's parsed it out exactly because there's such a dizzying array of programs in San Francisco that go toward rehab, toward housing, toward counseling, toward street outreach. A lot of that can be framed as harm reduction. Uh, the city spends generally about $350 million a year on homeless uh, programs and issues. Uh, that's going up to about $800 million over the next, you know, of each of the next two years. It's a real investment. And if you want to see your return on the investment, you can look at Oh, some, you know, 9,000 people or so are housed in supportive housing. More than 25,000 people who've been taken off the street and put into various forms of housing or sent home. It's really measuring success in a program like this or a technique like this is one of the great uh, conundrums of homeless technique, homeless best practices. People will throw up statistics on the left and the right and proclaim success and failure in all kinds of different ways. The difference is when you see a difference on the street. Measures of success is hard, like you say, but you also mentioned some promising stats there. Is harm reduction working or does it depend on who you're asking? I imagine some of the benefits of harm reduction requires sort of a long lead to see the results. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is a long lead because it takes years uh, to to measure success or failure in each individual case. If you talk to someone like Vitka Eisen over at HealthRite360, which is, you know, one of the biggest providers around here for rehab, she'll say harm reduction is absolutely the the best and the only way to go. Talk to Tom Wolf, who used to be at the Salvation Army and is now a uh, an addiction specialist. He shook his addiction 
to drugs through abstinence. And he'll say that's really the only way to get it done. Otherwise, it's, it's two steps forward, one step back, or even one step forward and two back. They both believe very fervently in what they, what they propound. Uh, the statistics, again, say 75% failure rate in abstinence and 40 to 60 in, in more conventional techniques. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Now San Francisco City officials, Supervisor Asha Safai and Catherine Stephanie are questioning the harm reduction only route. Tell me what they're saying. Are they pushing now for more of a hybrid approach, maybe not really being team abstinence or team harm reduction. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a hybrid. They were essentially asking for more approaches like like one that opened up this last year uh, through the probation department, and it has city funding. And it's a lifestyle house, as it, as it calls itself, for people coming out of jail or heading to jail and then get diverted to this, this uh, residence. It, it helps people get stabilized, uh, away from incarceration. And along the way, it uh, also encourages abstinence from drugs. And if you slip up while you're in the, in the residence, they, you go to detox, but then you can come back. It's a different approach. It's a, uh, it's a novel approach for you know, the region, really, and possibly the, the country, in that the city is funding it. It's for prisoners. It's for would-be prisoners. Uh, it's being watched, even nationally. Uh, to see if it'll work. And what the the supervisors were saying was that, yeah, let's consider doing a little, a bit more of this. They're not saying turn away from harm reduction. That's not what I was hearing from either one of them. Uh, They Mm -hmm. were saying, uh, as I put in my story, that, uh, you know, Safai in particular wants to expand the palette of programs. The thing that came through for me again and again as I talked to people, and I talked to more than a dozen experts on this and studied hundreds of pages of reports, is that one size fits all is not the way to go. You have to mm-hmm. tailor your drug treatment for the addict. Mm-hmm. There's a new alliance of nonprofits and other organizations launching called the Urban Vision Alliance. Tell me more about what they're doing. What's their approach to solving the drug addiction problem on our streets? Well, they're pulling together financing and planning. They're, they're not going to be actually building units, but they're going to be supporting programs that address it. And that that's the full range from drug addiction to to not drug addiction, simply affordable housing and permanent housing. The first program they're putting their back into is uh, one by the Salvation Army. It's called The Way Out. And the Salvation Army essentially will take you from the street to temporary housing, transitional housing, as they call it, uh, with job counseling and drug rehab, and then they'll route you into permanent housing. And that can take up to two years. They uh, have are trying to expand into 1,500 units over the next several years. And Urban Vision Alliance is helping them with the planning and the architecture and the, the financing for that. It's an enormous undertaking, and it would be a, a, a big help to the, to the scene if they can pull it off. And I, I do think they will, because the Salvation Army has a lot of resource in addition to Urban Vision Alliance. And how would you describe the work that they're trying to do? Is that an abstinence-only approach or harm reduction? They say that they want to do the full panoply. 
the harm reduction and abstinence. Uh, initially, with this Salvation Army project, it's a more of an abstinence approach, but even that's not rigid. I mean, the guy that I talked to uh, who's in Salvation Army program that will be expanded is on Suboxone uh, when I, right now. He'll be tapering off, but that's medically assisted treatment, which in some abstinence definitions is not allowed. Like I said, it's a, it's a fuzzy, uh, it's a fuzzy definition of a technique. Yeah. I mean, we could have debates all the time between politicians, nonprofit leaders about what's the best approach. But of course, the voices that matter in these discussions are those that are actually using drugs, those that are affected by addiction. Have you spoken to some drug users and how are they weighing in on this debate? What are they saying they need? I've spoken to a lot of drug users dating back decades. uh, And it's pretty much always been the same in in my experience in that uh, the the most successful techniques that I've seen for people dating all the way back to 2003 when I was sleeping outside, uh, all the way up to T.J. Johnson, a guy I talked to last week, uh, is harm reduction. You put someone in a a housing unit or in a rehab center and you expect that they're going to relapse. You expect they're going to still be using somewhat as they taper off. You stick with it. You do heavy counseling. You you really try to climb into their heads to figure out what's going to work, what they need to resolve in their lives that mm-hmm. that push them toward addiction to begin with, uh, and then you can really taper people out. Uh, Johnson told me that he's been through you know a ton of programs, everything from abstinence to you know, full harm reduction rehab residents. Well, what he did is he went to the Linkage Center, which is this new drop-in center for homeless folks at, uh, for the Tenderloin Initiative that the, the mayor is doing right now to try to address problems in the Tenderloin. And and TJ got housed. And it's it's in a transitional housing unit where he is still wrestling with his substance abuse, but he's on methadone. Uh, he's inside and stable, so he doesn't have to worry about where he's going to sleep tomorrow, which gives you the jitters, which makes you reach for the uh, meth pipe or whatever your drug of choice is. He feels he has the best chance he's had in years of getting himself clean. Mm-hmm. Now that there's this sudden shift in this debate and a reintroduction of abstinence-only approaches, which you know in the '90s was sort of turned away. I mean, is it fair to say that now the city is just getting impatient? These harm reduction approaches just aren't resulting in tangible results right right at this moment, and now we're turning to something else. I don't think we're turning to something else. I think we're expanding the thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the troubles that, come, that, that comes up uh, in discussions about supportive housing is that some people who are in supportive housing have gotten clean. They've gotten stable. They're doing okay. And they don't want to be in the same environment uh, that they are because a lot of supportive housing is in uh, sketchy neighbors of the the Tenderloin, maybe the Mission. And they can actually move out, but there's not enough subsidized and affordable housing for them to move out to. And I think that's what people are trying to get at is to help people get clean a little quicker, which means you need more case management. Uh, you need more counseling services right there. And uh, I and others have written about the need for more of that for years. Uh, that's expensive, but I think it's more expensive leaving people on the street addicted. 
You know, you can cost $85,000 a year if you're a homeless addict on the street going in and out of hospital and uh, rehab and police services, uh, as opposed to thirty grand a year in supportive housing, and certainly cheaper when you're in affordable housing. So it's everyone's benefit if we get people stabilized, clean, and healthy, and thriving again. Mm-hmm. Kevin Fagan, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Cecilia. Appreciate it. Kevin Fagan is a reporter at The Chronicle. His story about the abstinence-only approach to San Francisco's drug crisis, as well as his story about the Urban Vision Alliance, is online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs>